Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific Time, for the Living with Freedom show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, here on Freedomizer Radio. We talk a lot about the kingdom here, and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the word. Looking for something different? Looking for something fun? Join Dan every Monday on the Freedomizer Network, 9 to 10.30 Pacific, noon to 1.30 Eastern, for Common Sense with the educated redneck, Dan Ellison. The show about everything and nothing at all. That's right, the Jokers and Jesters Comedy Tour is back on the road. We are currently promoting our second Amazon Prime special, Jokers and Jesters, the next special. We will be touring small towns across this great country of ours. So for our tour date, follow us on Facebook at Jokers and Jester Comedy Tour or at our website, jokersandjester.com. It's a great night of music, laughter, and magic. Don't miss us as we come to a small town near you. Radio listeners, you all know that the reason for global cooling is global warming. Well, we here 
at Lake Havasu Snow Removal wants to remind everyone that we can plow your driveway or street seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We are available in the Lake Havasu, Phoenix, and soon-to-be Tucson areas in the cold Arizona desert. So, if your driveway is backed up in the middle of April or in the frozen tundra season of August, please call 855-NO-AZ-SNOW today. Anytime of day, anytime of night, Lake Havasu Snow Removal will clear your driveway in freezing cold tundra of Arizona. Thank you. Hello, Freedomizers. I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer radio and the Proof Negative radio show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the One World Government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to Proof Negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitutional cash money. Anyway, listen to Proof Negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Freedomizerradio.com Now, let's get back to the Proof Negative show here on freedomizerradio.com. Welcome to the Proof Negative Radio Show, right here on freedomizerradio.com. Now sit back and enjoy the show.
Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another great night here on Freedomizer Radio. I am your host, Proof Negative, the big kahuna here on Freedomizer. I want to thank everybody so much for finding us today. Today happens to be Tuesday, so we'll have Adrian, our, our brand new Tuesday co-host here. We'll, uh, we'll be joining us momentarily. And if you out there in Radio Land want to join us, the number here is 319-527-6208. And just press lucky number one on your phone, and I will make it a point to bring you into tonight's conversation. So uh, normally, Adrian, I'll, I'll play the applause button, but it's currently on hold right now because I'm uploading a clip that just seems to be taking forever. So okay. welcome in, Adrian. Hey, Proof. It's good to be back. Well, thanks for joining us again. I always get worried after somebody joins us for the first week. I'm, I'm no, hoping yeah, you liked it, it enough to come back. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was a good time. Well, I try to make it more fun than than 12 Daytona 500, so thank you for coming back. So what have you been working on this week? Right Other now, Hurricane I'm... Watch. Oh, yeah, just uh, packing some things up, uh reorganizing some things and working, reading, walking on the beach a little bit, took some photos of some flowers that were left on the beach, um, okay. some stuff like that, nothing too intense this week. So uh, any luck as far as guests in the future goes yet? It's okay that we don't so, have a guest. It's not a big deal. I've been... I've been so engrossed in my work that I, I've been poor in the area lately of booking guests. So no response yet about the one guest, and we have uh, one person that could potentially be available the week of September 11th to the 16th, and okay. this is somebody that has hopefully some knowledge that they can share about property rights councils and their experience serving as a chairman of one and okay. how they can protect our cities from these Agenda 21 policies um, and things like eminent domain. I'm assuming it's that always sounds going good to me. To yeah, I'm assuming it's mostly going to pertain to property rights councils and likely covering a lot of stuff on eminent domain, if I had to guess. But um, I was not able to get a phone call with this person yet. That they had, they had a full week. Oh, I, I understand. I'm not mad because I've had some full weeks lately myself. Yeah, they had. A, they said they had a full week, and then the following, they were going to be out of town. But 
that they may have some availability. So hopefully we can bring them on and they can educate us about property rights councils. Is that something that you're familiar with? I'm familiar with eminent domain. Oh, the property rights councils? I'm familiar. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I'm familiar and I'm, I'm familiar with land patents and things like that. The Property Rights Council is uh, pretty new to me. I hadn't heard about land patents before. That's interesting. If your property is paid off, you could apply to get what's called a land patent, which means that nobody could take your land from you. Uh, because even if your property is paid off, then uh, they could try to take your land through eminent domain if they possibly can. You see that sometimes when you have these huge casinos and then there's then there's like a house from 1953 that never wanted to sell. And this person lives in that house and they don't want to sell it because it's worth so much, but the 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 neighboring casinos are mad because they would do anything to get that property and they'll try to take them to court. But if they, uh, if they can't take the land, then they'll sue them to try and get the land. And then they, they say that, no, they, they own the land. It's funny how just because a big corporation wants something, they think they can have it. Yeah, and that you can just have your rights or your property voted away. It's very strange um, logic. It's a very strange way of thinking. So uh, you don't have to watch this now. I, I pulled the clip just in case I have to play some audio here. For an extended time. Uh, Russell Brand had an interesting story today. So there's a thing called Big Shoe. And I've known about it being in Barefoot is legal, but these are the mega shoe companies that that push all the 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 foot prisons and all the other mess that goes with it. And uh, and they get into how it actually hurts your your health instead of uh, helping you get healthy. I believe it. So the uh, the founder of one of the companies uh, did an interview with Russell Brand. So hopefully it reaches a, a mass audience and we can come in and tell them about our world. That's pretty interesting. I've wondered, you know, when I was a kid, the way that the shoes are made now, they're a lot different. It's mostly foam at the bottom. And I just remember shoes not having foam at the bottom when I was a child. And it just seems like this, the shoes now, they charge so much for them, but they're made out of such cheap material. 
Right, and then it's all built with arch supports and stuff you don't really need. Yeah, the foam just doesn't seem like it would be something that is very beneficial to the structure of the foot. Like, it seems like it would cause issues like, um, you know, like, structural issues and inflammation in your feet. So it's, uh, yeah, it's worth checking out. I didn't want to spend a whole hour on it or anything, but I figured it was worth mentioning. So in other body parts, I like how they're, they're telling you they're not trying to bring back scams in the same sentence that they're trying to tell you to bring back scams. Yeah, I've heard a lot about Iowa. Something going on in a city in Iowa that there are lockdowns again. I believe it's in one of Iowa, mayors. I have not heard Iowa. Was it Iowa? No, I, Iowa's, well, Iowa, the governor there was one of the few that stood up against the scam the scam dates. I thought I saw something about Iowa. I think it's in the De- uh, Des Moines. Des Moines? Des Moines? I'm not from Iowa. Uh, you'll have to Des- find it because I, I don't know. I believe it's Des, pronounced Des Moines? It's Aaron. Des Moines. The, it's French, so the S's are silent. Okay, it's Des Moines. Okay. okay, and then Iowa City closed due to increased cases. Yeah. Oh, the, the, those must be the liberal mayors that are, uh, they must be closing schools. Uh, some of the liberal mayors are trying to go back against the the governors that said no scams. So they're trying to lock, they've been told to lock the schools down even if there's only one case. Wow. So then yeah, they have to get the, the fear whipped up so people will put the scams on. And then once some people put scams on, then, then it would be easy for them to tell everybody else to wear the scams. And then once everybody's scam wearing, then they can roll out that gene therapy and say this is the only way we get rid of it. I wonder how many people are going to, you know, comply again. I predict 75%. Yeah, you were saying that last week that that's your prediction. Hey, but last time it was more like 88 or 90%. The first time it was like 95 so if we get to 25% noncompliance, is that enough? The answer is I don't know. Potentially. Because, and I'll say this again for the new people that are listening for the first time, 25% of the public either does not care or they like to wear scams anyway. 50% say that. 
will say they hate wearing scams, but they wear them because buying a sandwich is just too important for them, and they don't want to take the time to stand up for themselves. So they'll have their little stupid ZZ Top beards and put a scam over it like that's going to save them from anything. Yeah, I don't understand. I guess these people didn't see the emails. I mean, you know, Fossey's emails saying that they really don't do anything. No, but he's out there still selling it. Even CNN is is telling people that uh, there's plenty of evidence that shows scams don't work. Oh, wow. That's actually surprising. Yeah, everybody now is saying that scams don't work. Except for Dr. Froddy. And, yeah, uh, of what course, he, Brandon, what's going on with Brandon went back to wearing a scam based on, he said that Jill has covid with no symptoms, which, in my opinion, translates to, you put this scam on right now while we try to tell everybody how important it is to support you and wear a scam. That's all that is. Where is Dr. Fauci now? What is he doing? Don't forget, he's retired. He's just and he's waiting. Now? He's waiting for for court to come with Rand Paul. That'll be coming at some point. That will be good. I hope so. So let's let's get Mr. Broccoli out of the way because I there was an error in yesterday's where it cut off the last minute. So I had to redo it. So I want to see if this works. Did I send you the copy already? Yes, I believe that you did today. All right. So if if you can pull that up. Yeah, I've got it pulled up. And I'm pulling it up on my end here. There we go. Okay, so we'll make sure this one works here. So in this episode, uh, if you remember last week, Jamar uh, refused the latest rounds of gene therapies because he was told if he gets one more gene therapy, his insurance and his life insurance will not will no longer accept him. So he's not taking any more, and now everybody's mad at him because he's not he's not liberal enough anymore. Because he's so, not complying with science. Yes. So, uh, Jamar takes online courses. If you're ready, we'll go ahead and play it. Yeah, I'm ready whenever you are. All right. 
So I'll count down. So three, two, one, action. classes this semester. Yes, B. I refuse to get the last three boosters. I cannot risk getting another heart attack and dying. My parent one and parent two are suing SHIT because my insurance said if I get one more booster my insurance is cancelled. That is so not cool. Southern Hampshire Institute and Technology is a great school. You are being such a great baby. I had 29 heart attacks before, but I still get all my gene therapies. Yajmar, you don't hear me complaining after I had my heart attacks. I don't trust anyone that is not loving and liberal. I just cannot do it anymore, player. Now they want to bring up a new variant. It's crazy that there are new gene therapies for the new variant the same day as they announced there was another variant. How can you possibly have a new gene therapy being produced on the same day they said to be scared of this new variant? It sounds very sketch-a-ditch. Oh no, it's that broccoli dude again. I wonder what racist high she will say today. Oh brother, this guy stinks! He's never once worn a scam or even got one gene therapy. This dude is against me getting pregnant. He said that putting tampons in the men's room is useless. What about when I have my periods? If you get periods, then where do you bleed from? If you do not have a uterus, then how can you shed your uterus lining? Look at something, Bucker. Just because you're a Republican does not mean you can tell me my uterus does not bleed. It is none of yours business if I bleed or not. If I say I'm bleeding through my ice cream cone and I need the tampon. But they are only forcing people to wear scams so they can sell more gene therapies. I am so done with this, bro. If Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is not going to be president, then we need to have Trump back. You take that back right now and come do a drag queen story time with us. That means you are no longer oiling and liberal. I don't know what I'm anymore, player. I do not like the way things are going under Brandon. These gene therapies are killing us all. Then he wants to start World War III and then everyone will get drafted to go fight in a war. Meanwhile the cost of inflation is just too much, B. That is very true, Jemar. We have a one-party system that wants to turn the United States into the biggest Kamuzit operation on the planet. If they can do that, they can establish a one-world government. They want to scare everyone with these gene therapies and climate change. If you will accept this, you will accept anything. What is so bad about that? Yeah, it is loving and liberal to walk your baby three weeks after it is born. That is why I want to get pregnant. You do realize that is not an abortion, right? That is just murder. It is not the same thing, you dumb Ducker Carlson and proof negative listener. You Republicans are so stupid. And racist. Don't forget racist. Please do tell me the difference.
In both cases, the baby is not in the womb. It is separate and can live and survive outside of another body. It is not attached to another person. We do not care. Jamar, I hope you win your court case. Everyone is saying now how these gene therapies cause heart attacks. Yet, they still want to force everyone to get them. And if everyone complies with wearing scams, they can push people into fear. The government gets more power when you are scared of them. The government loses power when you are not scared of them. How can you say that Brandon is not doing anything for climate change? He is banning air conditioners, heaters, and even ceiling fans. They took out the gas stoves and microwaves from our dorm rooms. Next semester we will have to start washing our clothes in a bucket. How can you sit there and say this is not progress? How does turning on a ceiling fan hurt the climate? This I want to hear. You're racist, that's why. And a transphobe, don't forget using a transphobe. Why is it that when a liberal loses an argument, they have to always go to the racist card? Because you are not loving and liberal. That is why. Why are you so mad we called you out for being racist and a transphobe? Hey B. I don't think he said anything against black people or gay and trans people. You shut up that face right now. You are no longer black like us. You serious B? You are straight up white. Did you forget I am black and Puerto Rican? My skin color does not change just because you do not like what I just said, player. Anyone that said they might vote for Trump is just a dumbest cracker like this broccoli dude. I want to punch all yours in your kumquats. For real though Brandon has done nothing for us. Look at what he did in Hawaii. He just said no comment when he was asked about the huge fire there. Then he complained about having to go there while he was on vacation. Then he finally went, and he told jokes in front of all those people that lost everything they owned. Illegals get thousands of dollars a month for a stipend for coming across the border. But he is only giving every family in Maui a one-time payment of $700 after their properties burned. The police refused to let the people leave the area, and told them to go die. Then you offer the families $700 for a one-time payment. For all we know they could have planned this fire so they can buy up the land for cheap. Do you go talking like a Republican again? You're about to lose your hood pass for not facing black. Just saying B. On Spitbook you do not see anyone that says I stand with Hawaii. And now they have a fence around the buildings and they are told to never come back again. That is their own faults. They should have just sold their lands to the globalists and it all would have been avoided. Hey everyone. You need to get educated on what the globalists want to do to us. Check out the Proof Negative Radio Show. Go to freedomizerradio.com and click on Listen Live. He has on great guests, excellent co-hosts, and all the news you need to know about. There are other shows on the network also so please check it out. Freedomizerradio.com Proof negative sounds like a dude that ain't never worn a scam or gets periods. Hard pass. Give me communism or give me death. We need to save the world for the 1%.
All right. So hope it was okay. Yeah. What did he said? He doesn't. He doesn't want any more gene therapy, and he said that's racist. Is that what that was? That was so funny. Whatever yeah. part that was, and then that's racist. <laughs> but that's how they everything, act, though. Yeah. Everything is racist now. So rejecting a procedure that has death listed as a potential side effect is racist now. Yeah, you're acting like a Republican because you don't want any more gene therapies, regardless of how many you've had so far. If you're told you're going to die if you get one more gene therapy and you don't want to die, then then that's all you. That That's your fault. Or regardless of if you've voted Democrat for the past 15 years, they don't care. But it's liberal. They they even say they don't complain about their heart attacks. They just accept it because they're they're Democrats. Somebody really said that? Yeah. That's how they think. Yeah, I think a lot of people just they were just very consumed by fear. But they don't even watch the fake news. That's the funny part. They just hear everybody else. Nobody watches news anymore. Everybody's not afraid of COVID. It's what they're afraid of is getting yelled at for not wearing a scam. That, that's all they care about. Yeah, looking like they're getting accused of being a grandma killer, I guess. Oh, somebody just sent me something. If there was a consensus where Republicans and Democrats voted in the majority to do that, they would sign the bill. All right. I just had to watch. Some Somebody said you need to watch this right now. It was a one-minute clip of Robert F. Kennedy. That's all. I'm not sold on him. I want him to beat yeah. Brandon, but I don't want him to win the nomination. I mean, I, I want him to win being a Democrat. But I don't want him to be the president. I've seen a bunch of people go back and forth on, you know, if he is, if he is opposition or Dr. Shiva is opposition. I've seen some back and forth on that. Like, who is the paid opposition in that dynamic there? I don't think uh, I, I don't get into that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm not I'm not here to say that that Robert F. Kennedy is paid opposition or anything like that. Uh, just because the, I just look at it this way: Robert F. Kennedy agrees with us on a bunch of issues, and on a bunch of other issues, he's just a regular Democrat. He's not yeah. on our side, but he's not. He's not as bad as the other guys. 
So what do you do with that? I don't vote for him just because he wants to threaten the gene therapy industry. Yeah, I think that, you know, people can have things they agree with with certain candidates and then not agree with them on the others. That is, that it can be done in 2023. Um, he has I, a few topics, at least. At least he's anti-war. But he's a traditional Democrat, which I can respect and I wish more of them would exist, but he's not on the side of us libertarians. Yeah. Um, the socialized medicine and then the, I think what's maybe missing for a lot of people on the left is the the fact that it. Anything that is put on paper is enforced by violence or via threat of violence by state aggressors, which the left says that they don't like or support and they want to defund them, but they fail to realize that they're the people that would be enforcing the the law. They're 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 like mom hitting you with the belt and telling you not to hit them back. And that doesn't mean that Pence or anybody like that is any better. They're not. Oh yeah, no, I just Mike Pence. He uh, didn't have a lot to do with the uh, initial accusations against Donald Trump. A lot of things about that. He's the reason why we're here, yes. Yeah, a lot of people are not happy with Mike Pence right now. Well, the goal is that if they can get Trump in jail and DeSantis to drop out, they think that Mike Pence could beat Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. What do you think about that? So he either takes a dive for the deep state, which he probably will, and let Brandon win, or Michael Robinson Obama, who's a nice lady, So he's willing to be a patsy again. Nobody thinks Mike Pence is cool. Yeah. That dude is the chump of the decade. When all that fool had to do was say, we're going to postpone this for 10 days while we look into the claims of fraud. And if it's an honest election, then I'll I'll sign anything you tell me to sign but we need 10 days to review it. Nobody should have had a problem with that at all. Yeah. But instead, he reiterates the fact that he's a globalist. In my opinion, there's no way in anyone's right mind that if you supported Trump, that you would ever consider voting for Mike Pence. Yeah, definitely opposites there now. 
at least now. There's no way. Even Tim Scott and Nikki Haley should rank higher than Mike Pence. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody knows that except Mike Pence. I mean, he might know, too, and, you know, he could just be running for a show. Unless he's, you know, delusional. really thinks that he has a chance. What, everybody has to drop out except for him, Chris Christie, and Asa Hutchinson, and then he might have a chance? Have you actually had that conversation come up since I know you work with kids in Liberty? Is anybody out there saying Mike Pence is the man? Um, I have heard, I am not doing the work with the students directly on campus currently. Um, I assist the medical students somewhat into getting connected with an organization that specifically is for medical students right now. But I have okay. had some calls, some call, some call time recently, where very, very few people have said Mike Pence. Maybe like, and I'm saying like, not very many. It's been a very low amount of people expressing their interest in Mike Pence at all. Um, I've actually think I've heard more people say that they would vote for Chris Christie rather than Mike Pence in the past couple weeks. And those are the people that that definitely watch CNN, and they, they, they want the CNN perspective of who the best Republican candidate is. Because there's no other reason why you would think Chris Christie is the top candidate at all, period. <laughs> yeah, I was a little surprised, actually, that more people were supporting uh, Chris Christie rather than Mike Pence, and uh, have quite a few people supportive of Vivek Ramaswamy. Not so much I've heard about Asa Hutchinson. I think I've maybe heard one person in the past month or so. Uh, it's not a, I myself am not very familiar with Asa Hutchinson currently, um, the platforms, anything like that, but not very much support for Mike Pence. And I've seen some pretty strong support for Nikki Haley, uh, Ron, DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, and Donald Trump, of course, are the first ones there's about a tie on the support for those and then you've got people that say they can't stand trump or they can't and they they're a ron DeSantis fan or they can't stand ron DeSantis and they're a trump fan you know and mm-hmm. things like that yeah it's like for me trump is way out in first place then then vivek ramaswamy is way out in second place and then it's DeSantis in third, and everybody else is just so far away that they're, they're not even going to finish the halfway mark. That's just the way I see it. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing how this primary goes. But I'd like to see Vivek do something, but Trump is just 
if as long as Trump is in the race, Vivek will not gain much more traction because there's no reason to. Yeah, I've seen some Vivek fans and then skeptics. I don't know if you're tracking on any of the the skeptic at like points. Well, I don't I don't necessarily uh, I guess the way I'm looking at Vivek is, is they're, they're saying he's not Republican enough, but he comes out and he's, I've heard him in interviews say that he, he's been a lifelong libertarian until 2020. So as somebody who never voted for a Republican until 2016, I, I understand that sentiment. That he just, he switched 2020? Yeah, he, he, he never liked Republicans or Democrats. I can't get mad at that. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to, just because you hear certain things about a candidate, watching and listening and researching Mm -hmm. and make it a point to not make perfect the enemy of the good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's, It's just hard for Vivek because Trump is there, but uh, are there people that like Trump's policies but will vote for somebody other than Trump? I don't know. Because there's no reason to, in my opinion. And I'm not saying Vivek should not run, but it's just uh, when you talk to Vivek, he's like talking to us, which I like. And don't get me wrong, I think he means business, but Trump's already been there and done that and and knee-deep with this deep state. So I'm going with that guy. He has more to lose. I'm not really sure which way I'm leaning right now. I'm just going to listen to more of the platforms and kind of see where the candidates come from, what their background is. Stuff like that. It's just hard to go against Trump now that he's talking every day about going after the people that are indicting him. And it's like that that, that's the Trump that that we hired, uh, that we thought we hired in 2020. Yeah. And uh, and maybe Vivek is somebody that can do something about them. (laughs) I don't think any of the others would come close to touching the deep state. I think the rest of them would honor the deep state. So that's what I'm saying. Why people like Mike Pence and Chris Christie? Like Mike Pence. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. You're, oh, I was just saying, people like, especially people like Mike Pence and Chris Christie. No, they, 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 they may as well just do commercials for the deep state.
vote for me and I'll make sure the globalists have all the power. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually pretty surprised to see the, uh, <laughs> people just casually supporting Chris Christie. You know, I'm uh, I'm reading the list and they're just saying, you know, nonchalantly, almost not even thinking about it. Yeah, Chris Christie, and I'm just like, wow, that's very surprising. Yeah, that's. Yeah, those are what we call lemmings. There is nobody out there in their right mind uh, that would think that Chris Christie actually has what it takes to to be president. When he left the governorship in, in New Jersey, he left with a 12% approval rating. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, you couldn't think it would get that low. And when he ran the first time in uh, 2016, when he had his press conference, his big thing was, vote for me because I know how to work with Democrats. I I know how to reach out to the aisle and get Democrat Democrat votes. It's like, well, then go be a Democrat. Go be a Democrat then. That's incredible. Yeah, vote, vote for me because I know how to cave better than anyone else. I'm not I'm not saying you can't negotiate with them. I'm just saying that should not be your first strategy. Yeah. It's uh kind of telling when that's your main priority. I mean, I do think that it is I am one of those people I think it's important to bridge the gap. And I know a lot of people don't agree with that uh, in the libertarian, Republican crowds. I do think that it is extremely important that we at least try to create some sort of dialogue, you know, with those that can be reasoned with and some people cannot be reasoned with, and that's okay. And those are the people that we're not meant to, you know, like work with. Right, but you shouldn't just go on board saying, I'm going to cater on day one. Yeah, you don't cater and crave. You uh, you don't cater and cave. You you stand like a leader and lead by example and show them why your policy is why uh, is what we should be voting on. Not hey, I'm going to come up with a plan and then you Democrats are going to counter offer and then I'm going to take your plan. That that that's not what we're looking for. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about that. Oh, I, I'm not really uh, not worried about it. I was just surprised more that I was actually hearing people say his name from the list compared to the other people that were running, but not very much support for Mike Pence. So it, it sounds like, uh, according to the Gateway Pundit, this Jack Smith guy is ready to start at least one more indictment. And then he wants to go to all the all those states that mysteriously shut down at nine o'clock Pacific, midnight Eastern, and said that they're going to count tomorrow. So that means all those states, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, he wants to start uh, 
he wants to have indictments in each of those states. Nevada might be hard because now we technically have a Republican governor. And, uh, but the other ones are more Democrat-leaning. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But the more indictments that they pile up, the more stupid this sounds. Because if it was just one, two, or five indictments based on one case, like, hey, we have five indictments in Atlanta that we want to have handled. It's like, okay, maybe you got a chance. But when you're, when you're doing a, a tour stop, basically, on indictments, it, it just shows you're desperate. And then they, they keep saying, the more, the more you push against Brandon, the more indictments Trump, Trump will have. And why, why are we not doing the same thing? I'm pissed about that. The only reason they do that is because they get away with it. Congress can stop the Jack Smith funding tomorrow if they want it. They choose not to. They, they, they could push the impeachment. They haven't. They could try to impeach Brandon. Yeah, There's that's no what makes me wonder personally if it's just for, like, how much of it is a show, you know? Well, it, it's McCarthy, basically. So you have McCarthy and a bunch of, of rhinos and... Uh, that's who's in charge. But the thing is with McCarthy, if you remember, remember they had all those those uh, votes. It took them like 27 tries or something. And McCarthy, they, they finally gave up because they every time they nominated somebody, that person said they didn't want it, but somebody else should take it. And so nobody got behind them because nobody wanted the job except McCarthy. That's why we're here. Matt Gates didn't want it. Byron Donalds didn't want it. Uh, other people did not want it. And they kept trying to put them up for vote. And they said, don't vote for me because I don't want the job. And they still got 12 or 15 votes. And then they, then they had a recount. Or maybe it was not 15, but they got just enough because there were people that said, I'll vote for whoever's on the ballot that's not McCarthy. And so everybody stuck to that. And so everybody else, literally, that they nominated, they would get just enough of a vote so McCarthy would fail. And then they would say, please stop nominating me. So then they would put somebody else up, and then they would get just enough votes. And the thing is, nobody wanted the job, so you can't get mad when McCarthy's the only guy that asked for the job, and then they, after 27 or whatever amount of votes it took, they, they finally got it because nobody wanted it. Yeah, that was incredible. That was, uh, that was a thing for a little bit. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, that was like the strangest thing. It's like, I don't want the, 
I don't want that job, but pick somebody else that, that's, that's better than this clown. Okay, we'll vote for you. I don't want it. Well, we're going to vote for you, but I don't want the job. That was just, I don't know what to call that. I, I can't get mad because if you don't want the job, you don't want the job. There, there's nothing we can do about that. I think we just need regular people, more regular people to run for office. These people that have business degrees, enough with the people that have business degrees and law degrees. We need uh, real people, just regular citizens mm-hmm. to run for office all across the country for city, state, and congressional campaigns. We need people out learning how to campaign learning what they can do to gain speaking skills, resources, and really actually take back their communities and their states. Because right now we got a bunch of clowns that have business degrees, their MBAs and their law degrees. And where is the, you know, where's the rest of life at? By the way, something just in passing here, I don't have a clip up yet. But did you see where Tucker Carlson uh, allegedly interviewed one of Barry Satoro's past lovers? No, I haven't seen that. Oh. He allegedly had an affair with this guy a few times. And that's after, after several people came out and said that he used to brag about having gay fantasies. Who is this? Barry Saturo and his husband, who he, he said his name wrong several times, Michael Robinson Obama, who's a very nice lady. Hmm. I use his real name. I don't use whatever... Um, Yeah, that's, his real name is Barry Satoro. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that that goes on behind the scenes in the political realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll see if it's up yet. I was looking for it before. For all I know, Tucker Carlson could get kicked off YouTube for that. Uh, that's what I had before. It's only a minute. Let me see if. Uh... Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take ten minutes to download a one-minute clip. I'll I'll send it to you to watch it at, at some point down the road. But allegedly, uh, this will be on an upcoming episode. So I'm just gonna wait so I can have the whole episode to play. What if this will change anything? Then we're going to be called transphobes, and 
homophobes because we don't want to vote for Barry because he's gay. I don't care what the, what that person is. If you're a communist, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, everything has became about gender and race. It is like the new religion. Oh, wow. Yeah, somebody said Tucker Carlson, the only reason he's trying to say that Barry is gay is because he's also gay. I don't understand how – so if you try to expose something, it means that you're part of it? I, I don't understand that. I, I think that people will say um, just anything to make themselves feel better about the truth being exposed about – themselves or a person that they support. Hmm. Oh, wow. I'll let that go here. Yeah, there's other stuff. But I'll, I'll wait until it comes out. This copies. See if you can click on this if you have a Twitter. I was recently actually locked out of my Twitter, um, but it is. Are you able to open that regular? It, yeah, it's pulling up on regular. It says, thank you, Tucker Carlson, for exposing why Mike Obama is always angry. And also, I, I just never, I never, I've seen that so many times, but I, I just don't, I, I, I never put two and two together. I don't understand. What, what are we, what are we putting together here? If you see them in random spots, they always look like that, where Barry is always smiling, and Mike just looks like somebody done pissed her off. You've never seen that before? I, I, uh, I'm not sure I'm following right now. Are you looking at the picture? Yes, I'm looking at the picture. Barry is always smiling. Big Mike is always angry. You could tell right there, Big Mike angry. Any other photo you see with both of them, this is how they usually look. You could tell they're they're not a very happy couple. Yeah, um, she's got some RBF going on. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it's just that, though. I I think that that's normal. 
it's just whenever you see that particular person, there is always just some anger going on. And maybe maybe Big Mike wants to be the dude in the family. I don't know. I'm not trying to be funny, but if someone feels like they're their personality is being repressed. Maybe that's how they feel. But I just remember when when Michael was on the Ellen show and she was she was sloshing that day in those white pants. <laughs> I showed that to you, right? I don't think so. You've never seen it? No, I've never seen it. Oh, wow. All right. I'm going to stop the show even for this. <laughs> um, oh, you got to see this. All right. Hang on. Hang on, I'm getting it. There's not much audio on it. You could play it. All right, I got it. You watch it? Oh, yeah, I watched it. Okay. Yeah, I've heard this before, and I thought that I thought that's what you were talking about. Um, not this, but, uh, you know, just uh, is that person a man? For all we know, that could be the big reason for the, the push for the trans nation. And maybe that's what's holding back Big Mike from being president because it's a popularity contest. Michael was the only one that could beat Trump right now. Michelle? Yeah. Gruesome's not going to beat Trump. Brandon's not going to beat Trump. Kamala can't. There, there, there's nobody else they're going to trot out there. But you'll have all the people that that voted for Brandon and said they have buyer's remorse, and they'll go stand in line to vote for Big Mike, even though it's the same person running the show. But they'll they'll go stand in line for that. I think people just really want someone to solve their own problems, and so that's why they're so eager to support these candidates. But it's time for us to solve our own problems, really, at this point. All right, so let's see what else is on the board here. Um, I want to get into this here where 
I don't know if you heard about several cases where you have schools, the kids transition from being a boy to being a girl, and they and they were able to hide this from their parents. And I now the parents found out. So I want to play this I clip and then we can discuss. Is it 2020 all over again? Some are sounding alarm bells that it may be starting to feel like it. The rise in recent COVID cases has led many institutions to reinstate mask mandates and other measures that are reminiscent of COVID's early days. But according to new reporting from journalist David Zweig, a paper published last, last month calls the premise on which mask mandates and other COVID interventions are based into question. The paper published in the Lancet Microbe reportedly found that infected people are symptomatic before uh, that the, uh, people before they develop symptoms are very rarely have the ability to affect others, throwing doubt into the societal benefit of requiring masks and social distancing measures for healthy people, Zweig writes. Journalist David Zweig joins us now to tell us more. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me again. So one of the interesting things I found about this study looking into it is that it, it was a challenge trial in that they actually infected people with COVID. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the, the scientific process and how they uh, arrived at this result? Yeah, it's a really um, pretty um, unique type of scientific experiment, which as you noted is called a challenge trial. And by challenge, they mean they are purposefully infecting people with a virus. Um, this is not done in the States for, for COVID. There was um, one application made to NIAID, um, that's Anthony Fauci's agency when he was there, and it was rejected to do a challenge study. So these are, these are somewhat controversial um, because, you know, for the, the ethical reasons of purposefully infecting people. Nevertheless, this group um, in the UK at Imperial College did get approval and ran um, this challenge study that came out with these results. And, and, and these results are walk us through is that it looks at the, the amount of, um, of infectious material on the, on the inside of a mask of people when they're actually symptomatic with COVID because they gave them COVID and, and you know, fill me in that the, the finding and the interpretation is that what you really have to be wary of is people who are actually actively sick, not people who are infected but are not showing symptoms yet. Right. So what, what's interesting is um, unlike most studies um, where they're looking at transmission dynamics, those are, they oftentimes involve some degree of modeling. There's a lot of confounding variables because you just can't control what's going on in the real world. You don't exactly know what's happening. But in this challenge study, this is a controlled experiment. So they know who they've infected and they're checking them every day. They're monitoring them for symptoms. So you're able to have this very um, specific environment where you're able to get specific um, biological results rather than sort of conjecture um, that much of the other um, evidence is based on. So they purposefully try to infect um, a number of participants in this trial. They each stay in these private rooms for, I think it was a minimum of 14 days. And of the people who, who became infected, um, they monitored their symptoms and they found that just 
of the emissions that these people put off. And this was, um, they measured it in a variety of places. They looked behind their masks, so they had them wear masks for periods of time. They looked on surfaces, on their hands, and I believe they also took measurements in the air. And what they found was that just 7% of these emissions in their rooms, um, in the air, and in the environment and surfaces of the infected participants just that occurred um, while they were pre-symptomatic, which means they were infected, but before they actually developed symptoms. And what to me is a real bombshell about this study is these results really run counter to the narrative that we were told from very early on in the pandemic, which was this idea that anyone could be infected at any given time. We all needed to do these various measures. Mask mandates for children, even if they were healthy, everyone still needs to wear the mask. Quarantining people, again, including children, if there's some kid who's infected in your class or in your school, that's it. You need to be quarantined for X number of days. Closures of churches, closures of businesses. All these measures were based on an idea that people could unwittingly be infecting others because anyone could be infected at any moment and not know it. And what the results of this study suggest, and this is a small study, and there definitely are limitations with this study, like there are with any study, but what it suggests and what's powerful about it is because they're actually measuring the biological markers, they're actually testing people for their infectiousness. Um, unlike these other studies, we actually have real data to see, wow, only 7%. And I'll add one other thing that's really interesting about this study. Prior to this point, most of the studies that looked at infectiousness were looking at, um, and they were testing it biologically, were looking at viral load. They were testing in someone's nose, um, in their respiratory tract. What's interesting about this study is they looked at viral load, but they also tested these emissions that I was talking about behind the mask, in the air, on surfaces. And that, of course, is a much, much better um, marker, accurate measure of how much someone um, could be infectious is how much, and what they found is there is not a really strong correlation between how much viral load someone may have in their body versus how much um, virus they're actually emitting into the air or onto surfaces. So this study really kind of blows a couple narratives out of the water, and I'm kind of astonished that no one else seemed to really be covering these uh, results other than I did in my, in my newsletter. I do wonder if some of the lack of public reaction is that, while I think you're completely right about some of the early narratives around COVID, it's been quite some time since I've really heard many people pushing the idea that masking is necessary because of um, asymptomatic transmission. I think that a lot of that was all part of the discourse um, uh, from, from, from earlier days, back when we thought that um, getting vaccinated was going to limit transition, and I think transmission rather. And I think people are obviously very incorrect about that. And as a, as a consequence, we've heard less about that going forward. I am curious whether or not the fact that Joe Biden stopped sending out the um, testing kits a year ago, the fact that there is no effort of doing any kind of contact tracing, et cetera, means that there's a risk of people who are in fact symptomatic not realizing that they are symptomatic with COVID and therefore transmission at, transmitting the virus at significantly high rates the way the study shows is possible for people who do in fact have COVID both in the air and on surfaces. Yeah, it's a really good point that part of the challenge is that sometimes people, I think what you're saying, people can have symptoms and not realize it. 
So we have to be careful about when we're saying pre-symptomatic because you know, maybe you have a little bit of a runny nose or something and you don't notice it. So that, I think that's a really important point. Um, however, um, at, what I would say regarding that is what's interesting is I know my kids and millions of other kids throughout the pandemic had to fill out a questionnaire every morning where they were asked, you know, a long list of, of questions we had to check off about various symptoms. Um, and there were a number, you know, there were temperature checks at schools. If someone as much as, you know, sneezed, they were, uh, you know, ejected um, in a lot of places. So there was a hyperattention, um, at least with kids in a lot of places, to their symptoms. So I think even mild symptoms were likely detected. Um, and, and regarding the sort of current environment, there are a number of places that have brought back mask mandates. It hasn't been a, a broad-based thing by any measure. Um, but I think this test and what I wrote about, uh, this, um, excuse me, this, this study, what's important is it's also important for us to look back. So even if things right now haven't you know, brought back you know, mass um, uh, non-pharmaceutical interventions the way they were in place in the pandemic, it's still important for us to have some retrospective view on what we did and what made sense and what didn't make sense. And I think this study, again, it's just one, one study and other, other data may wind up you know, um, conflicting with this, but it's, it's pretty robust um, the way that they conducted it. And I, I think it's worth people pausing and really thinking about, wow, it turns out what we were told wasn't the case most likely. And what, what I talk about in the article is that, you know, the sort of classic thing of if you're sick, stay home, um, that really would have gotten us to probably the same place after all. And we know that was the policy in a number of places like Sweden and elsewhere, um, particularly in schools where they weren't necessarily testing people all the time. And there's no evidence that they ultimately had more transmission or were worse off than places that had these far more um, restrictive policies in place. So yeah. those, that sort of real world um, empirical evidence we have seems to my mind to strongly buttress what the findings are in this study. Before we let you go, does this suggest, and I, you know, I've seen people in, uh, in the American context suggest that the reluctant, the you know, utter ethical blackout on doing challenge trials, um, you know, that's coming under scrutiny. Obviously we do, we do animal testing, but animals can't consent to be tested on the way human beings with that are, you know, thinking and can rationalize can. Uh, it seems somewhat, you know, short-sighted if people you know, want to willingly take this on and be compensated. Uh, that would not be an unethical thing to do if people are aware of, of the risk, particularly at this stage of the pandemic where you could have healthy people, you know, people who don't have, um, you know, immunocompromised conditions or who are vaccinated or boosted, you know, who, who don't think the risks are particularly great and probably the statistics bear that out and are willing to do it. Um, should we change our ethics around that? Yeah, it, it's a great point. And, you know, once I started reading about this study, there's actually a, a, a pretty nice, um, rich literature about this topic where you have bioethicists and others um, talking about the ethics of challenge studies. These have been around for a long time, obviously, for different viruses prior to um, SARS-CoV-2. Um, so there is an interesting debate to be had. I forget what the participants were paid. I could be wrong. I think it was something like 6,000 pounds or something. So, you know, if you're young and healthy, you're weighing, weighing everything out, you know, you might say, 
give it a shot. You know, as yeah. far as I'm aware, no one in the trial had any, you know, serious um, repercussions. Um, like I said, um, there, I, what, from what I read, there was at least one study, challenge study, that was proposed that was rejected by Anthony Fauci. And I believe he was on record saying that they didn't have any interest in pursuing challenge studies. So, hmm. you know, like anything, there's some degree of risk involved in doing work that's going to bring you more accurate and more rigorous results than, than guesswork. And it's the same thing if you wanted to run a trial, you know, for vaccines, for, you know, masks in schools, when you have people claiming that there's not, you know, equipoise and that you can't do this, well, fine, but then you end up not getting real answers. A, a mm. trial like this, and we should all be thankful to the people who were willing to participate in it, gives us actual um, answers. So, you know, it, it was a lot of fun writing yeah. this article. It was fascinating to me, and um, I'm glad to talk about it with you. I hope people check it out. And I should mention one more thing. In the article, I mentioned um, there was another study out of Stanford, which I had also written about, where they found a very low rate of asymptomatic um, infectiousness in people, totally different type of study. And this also did not get a lot of attention. These two studies together dovetail really nicely and I think really call into question the sort of 30 to 50% um, transmission that we were told could happen from people without symptoms. That narrative seems to be just totally false. Mm. Viewers can check out those articles at silentlunch.net. David Zweig, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I pressed the wrong button on that, but I let it go. I'm going to play the other clip right now. So uh, this one was the one about the hiding the gender transitioning. You're going to start to see more articles like this, more, more um, cases like this, more uh, lawsuits around... When schools are getting involved in parenting kids or in the, um, you know, situations now where, you know, kids end up going missing after, you know, the school's getting involved and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it truly is a sad state of a sad state of affairs now where these school teachers are not only trying to act as the kids' parents, but also like, indoctrinate these kids you know teachers like this guy with this giant fake chest um you know things of that nature it, it's it's a wild time um you know when you have these teachers we just saw yesterday a lawsuit where uh a, a student was basically transitioned by her teacher their teacher and ended up running away and getting trafficked and all this kind of stuff Parents in a Colorado school district are accusing teachers of breaking state and federal laws by asking kids about their preferred pronouns in secret surveys. Denise Crawford, a mom of three in the district, said her son was subject to one such survey last week and is confused since law should require the district to obtain written consent from her before asking for sensitive information. The claim stemmed from an email reportedly sent to teachers in Jefferson County, an area along the front range of the Rocky Mountains on the western edge of Denver. The region includes cities such as Lakewood and Arvada and are mostly suburban. In the first letter obtained by CBS News, officials from the county's presiding teachers union seem to suggest instructors are surveying students about their preferred pronouns and hiding the evidence afterwards. 
speaking to CBS Crawford after finding out teachers are being told, if you do a questionnaire, please make it a paper and pencil only and be warned that any digital records may be requested under federal law. They're literally said, they're literally saying, hide this. Right? That, that's what they're saying. That, that's, that's, that's exactly what they're saying. Hey, don't have any digital record of this. Don't have any, don't, don't have any, you know, don't have any record at all of this ever. We don't want this to be a thing. Deceived and lied to, taken advantage of, she recalled in the email sent by members of Jefferson County Education Association to all staffers. They're just breaking the law. The letter seemed to substantiate some of the Jefferson mom's complaints such as passages in which warned that surveying students' teachers should be sure not to leave behind a paper trail to potentially be perused later, perused later. I mean, I don't even understand. Like, these teachers are weird. You know? Like, I, I don't understand exactly how this isn't like people aren't getting put in jail for this like legitimately i i just it's so weird to me that these teachers think hey this is a cool idea this is something cool i'm going to just groom these kids any digital records are more permanent and could be requested under uh, f-e-r-p-a it's a federal educational rights and privacy act under the guidance, parents have the right to inspect and review every aspect of their students' school and education records. Local laws in the state of Colorado similarly bar such practices, including considering students' personal information protected. After CBS aired the report about the correspondence Friday, the union issued a statement blaming the district. <laughs> of course, of course, the union had nothing to do with it saying it had given contradictory directions in terms of the preferred pronouns. What? I mean, they literally said, hey, don't get caught. Also penned by Williams, who has been the union president since 2020, the statement cited another passage in a leaked letter that explicitly states, please no preferred pronoun gender identity questionnaire. Do not promise to keep information from parents. The statement did not address why teachers were directed to use paper and get rid of surveys and accused people of Crawford like politicizing the issue. What? By allowing students an optional avenue to share their preferred pronouns while maintaining student privacy, we can ensure that students feel safe, respected, and validated. Yeah, and groomed. We encourage and support educators to follow Jeff Coast's district policy, which states school staff shall not disclose information that may reveal a student's trans status to others, including their parents and other school staff, unless legally required to do so, unless the student has authorized such disclosure. These teachers are insane. Like, what in the heck? I, I don't even understand. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I 
And then you look at stuff like this. Virginia mom sues school district. This is today. Claiming staff kept the daughter's transition a secret before they ran away, were kidnapped, and terrible things happened to them. The then 14-year-old was allowed to change her name to Draco uh, at school. Her parents eventually uncovered the details. I, I, I don't, like, I don't understand. According to the Child and Protective Rights Campaign, who filed the lawsuit on behalf of Blair, the school's decision to withhold information about Sager's gender identity deprived Blair of the ability to exercise her fundamental parental rights direct to the upbringing of her own daughter, including making educational and mental health decisions. Of course. Of course. This is like the weirdest stuff. Uh, I, I don't even understand. The school officials were encouraging her to use the boys' bathroom, even though she knew she was being threatened. Um, so she perceived herself that she wasn't safe and then ran away from home. She runs into the arm of a waiting, a waiting P-word, a predator, who encounters her, takes advantage of her, traffics her with two other men, and then takes her across state lines into Washington, D.C., and ultimately to Maryland. What is this? I mean, it's so weird to me that uh, these teachers aren't in jail. While in state custody, Sage was placed in a juvenile facility for young men where she was again attacked. (laughs) I mean, this kid is going to be screwed up for life now. Screwed up for life. Because the teacher thought they knew better. Like, I don't, I don't really understand exactly what's going on in our educational system. But I do know the, the, you know, the inclination of parents to now be homeschooling. Whoever was involved in hiding this, whoever was involved in, like, you know, transitioning this kid, um, they should go to prison. And the fact that the teacher felt that they needed to get any kind of, any kind of weirdness, like they had any right to do this stuff. I, I just, I'm shocked. I, I just I, I don't I don't understand how 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 teachers feel like I mean all I can say is that these teachers are messed up you know they're they're, they're messed up and they deserve to have criminal charges against placed against them because this is a perfect example of a case where a teacher's own superseding choosing to supersede the parents' rights directly led to harm for this kid. Directly.
And there's gonna, and there's so many more. I mean, that's two stories. That's two separate stories in a day. How many do you think are not getting reported? It's absolutely deplorable. All right. So, yeah, I find that very disturbing, Adrian, about how a a school district believes that it's their job to transition the kids and to and to tell them it's okay to not tell their parents. I'm old school, I guess. Anytime someone says you better not tell your parents, you should always tell your parents. Yeah, that was insane, honestly, Proof. There's got to be some kind of, I don't know. I mean, I mean, well, what can you really do with a teacher's union? But I was going to say, there's going to be some kind of screening or something. I mean, this is just insane that teachers think they have any right to tell people's kids about any of this stuff or encourage them to do anything like this. I mean, it's just sick. Well, you know, how this started was in Virginia a couple years ago, that's how Glenn Youngkin became popular, was Merrick Garland wanted parents arrested for speaking up at school board meetings. So if you said you were not happy with the way the schools were being run, they wanted to arrest you. And that's how Glenn Youngkin became popular, because he, he put a stop to that in Virginia. Whatever happened to the volunteer PTOs, like the PTO meetings, and parents being involved in school and encouraged? Well, they don't want that anymore. They, they, they say that it's not the parents' job to raise the kids. It's the, it's the government's job. That sounds like some Clinton speak. Some Clinton yeah. stances there. That's how it works, though. I as long really as they keep getting it. away with it, it'll be okay. The second that yeah, they, they can't see. get away with it, they'll they'll change up and find something else. I think that uh, running the moms for school board would be a great step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I know we have Moms for Liberty uh, spreading across the United States. So this actually started here in Melbourne, Florida. Um, and then it has expanded since. So I think there's some chapters in Tennessee now, some other states, I think maybe North Carolina as well. I'm not exactly tracking on their progress, but that would be a good step in the right direction. But there, there are many areas also that, that this is not the only one. In, in Texas, some kids were, were uh, there, there's, there's school districts that have had to put laws in or uh, governors that said it's illegal to try to uh, change genders of the kid without parental consent. Meanwhile, there's places like Washington State that will literally take your kids away if if the school recommends a transition and you say no, then they just take the kids away. 
I don't know why people that have kids still live in Washington State, to be honest. I mean, you know, this is happening in the United States because the last I heard this is happening in Canada. This is actually happening here in the United States. Oh, they're talking about treating kids with depression in Canada with uh, with euthanasia for depression. Oh, yeah, we talked about that last week. Um, yeah. You know, you know, proof, uh, I hadn't heard about the teachers pushing and kids to transition behind, um, like, back, um, like, behind parents, but... You know, there. I was aware of the fact that on some campuses there are liberal professors, teachers that are trying to force students to adhere to this uh, gender ideology nonsense. Um, and a lot of people might not know, but there are law firms that will take these cases. And these cases can be won, most especially if they're on public campuses. But to, like, spread that awareness is very important because the lawsuits can be won. The students would have to have proof that the professor is doing that so for example like if the professor is just trying to make the class uh do the she her they them thing or call them call another student that is clearly not a biological male a him the students would not have to adhere to that and a lawsuit can be done for free speech. I don't think a lot of people are aware of that, but, you know, I also don't think a lot of people are fully aware that these things are happening on college campuses and that they are happening in schools. I was not aware of that happening in the United States. I knew that Canada had gone pretty radical with their childhood transgender transitions. Um, that's very disturbing. Oh, let me show you this one. Hang on, I'm getting there. You said something about Iowa before, but this is this is Maryland. So in Maryland, they're trying to get elementary school kids to wear N95 properly fitted scams. That is so sad. Sick? I mean, it is sick, but like, like when you said that, that was so sad. Like, they're stopping children from breathing fresh air. Like, to think about the damage that's going to cause their lungs and their body, um, mm-hmm. their brain, all of that, blood vessels, it's so sad. 
Yeah, they said anytime there's three kids in school that test positive for COVID, that they got to put the N95s on. And is anyone trying to do any kind of, like, legal action with that? Uh, We'll see. It depends if they feel like complying. I've heard some people talking about something called Sears. I think it is recently. Some yeah, that's supposed to happen Sears. in 2025. Bill Gates even said you it. Know, I heard it was SARS, and I saw a document, I believe it was from John Hopkins or something. I'll send it over oh, to you. that's something different. Um, but I saw SARS first, and then here recently I've been seeing people post about, I think it's Sears, right? Is that correct? Yes. How do they hand out N95 scams and say they have to be properly fitted if they're not fitting the students with them? I mean, are they adjustable? Like, or is it something that they just send home and they say, we provided you with this and you need to make it fit, and then parents just have to go buy one or they can't send their kid to school? Uh, I don't know. But they'll do that in all the liberal areas because they figure most people are just going to comply. Did they have a pretty high compliance right there? I, that's one of those states I really kind of forget it exists, honestly. And then somebody mentions it, like that one, like Delaware. Yeah. Yeah, whenever you think of that area, you think of Washington, D.C., I know. I guess when I think of the Northeast, mostly I think of New York, New Jersey, like Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then I forget about some of the other ones. Yeah, I know. Connecticut gets kind of forgotten about. Oh, I actually remember that one. It seems like a very interesting state. Um, I have heard that there's a lot of paranormal activity there, and I think that that's very interesting. I think metaphysics is a science, and I've heard that it's a pretty, you know, quote, haunted state. And I actually spoke to somebody that lives in Connecticut for a very long time, and I was asking them about it, and they said, yeah, that that is kind of a thing there and I was kind of fascinated I was like wow that is super interesting I would like to ask more people that have been there and lived there or from there if they agree no I spent a lot of my life in Long Island but I I can't say that Connecticut to me but I've only been there once uh I I can't say it was anything special for my trip but I could be wrong what city did you go to uh, what was it? New Haven? I just took the ferry. There's a ferry that goes from Port Jefferson to the, uh, to the other side of, uh, Connecticut. I think that was New Haven. 
I'd have to I'd have to sit and remember it. Yeah, Connecticut is one of those states that I haven't been to yet, but I would definitely like to go. Um, just because, honestly, it kind of has a cool name, Connecticut. I don't know the way that it sounds when you say it. And the this like, rumors of uh, a lot of activity, like, in the fourth dimension, haunted stuff. I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm not much of a of one of those kind of paranormal people, I guess. So for me, it doesn't do anything. But I could see if you think there's a lot of activity there, then I could see where that would be in something for you. Yeah, I'm really interested in talking to people that have had a paranormal encounters before. I think that there's definitely probably like a science to it, um, and I like different types of sciences that it's. Interesting, because it seems like, you know, we talk about energy, and then if there is another kind of realm here that we can't interact with all the time, um, that if entities, whatever people want to call these things, goes, interact with people, um, it seems like they would be kind of like negative energy or give off negative energy. It's very interesting to hear people's experiences with, um, quote, ghosts. Yeah, I'm not a big talker on aliens, but I do think that it's crazy to think that Earth has the only life forms ever in the world. Or in the galaxy. I just think there has to be stuff. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm not really honest. Like, I am interested in the force and in the, you know, like studying what is this energy. Like, somebody says, oh, the door was slammed or something was like, you know, like a piece of paper was like knocked off the counter or whatever. Like, what is that force? what is that force of energy that is doing that? And, you know, are there things here that can affect our emotions and attitudes and influence human thoughts? But um, I'm actually not sure if I think that aliens are real. I think I would have to touch the alien. Like I said, it's it's crazy to think that humans would be the only life form that that would be intelligent. Uh, I would think that there has to be some galaxy out there that probably either has something uh, smarter than us or even maybe not as intelligent, but I'm sure there has to be something. By the way, you're not going to believe who just bought 1.7 million shares of Budweiser? I'll let you take a guess. Who was it? I'll um, let you guess. Was it a, was it a celebrity? Uh, you could say they're a celebrity. Um, it wasn't Joe Biden. Um, 
No, why would he buy Budweiser? He probably doesn't even know what Budweiser is anymore. Um. Okay, wait. I was thinking about the Bud Light commercial. Okay, I got them mixed up. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've never been a huge beer drinker, but I know the Bud. Yeah, Budweiser is the red, and then Bud Light is the blue. I thought you were talking about Bud Light for a second. Oh, I've never bought a beer in my life, and I'm, I'll be 51 in two weeks. Wow, no way. What, that I've never bought a beer once or that I'll be 51? You've never had any kind of a beer, not even an IPA? No, I, I don't. I don't. When I was 20, I, uh, I started getting involved in stand-up comedy. And I just thought the comedy club smelt like such stale beer that I promised I would never drink it. That's a pretty good promise to sell. I did have a Zima once, and then um, there was a buy one, get one free drink, and... The person I was with at the time wanted a drink, and I told them to bring an extra one to the table, and I paid for it. And I had a couple of sips of it. I don't even know what it was. That's the only two times in my life I ever bought alcohol. So you haven't drank a lot of alcohol? Uh, no, not really. If, I remember trying somebody's Midori Sour once, like 20 years ago. I thought that was kind of okay. Well, con- congratulations. That's a pretty good, strong self-promise. I couldn't afford to live my lifestyle if I had to buy alcohol. Yeah, that does make sense. A lot of people no, that stuff wasting, gets expensive. Well, a lot of people are like wasting their time and their money getting wasted, and it's not benefiting them at all. Well, look at the guy from Smash Mouth who died of liver poisoning at age 56. He had to retire from the the band Smash Mouth two years ago because <laughs> of his uh, med- <laughs> med- medical issues. No, I've just learned from a young age that alcohol doesn't doesn't really help people. Yeah. If you're using it to like make beer with... battered onion rings or something, I, I'm okay with that. Or uh, if you're putting alcohol on a steak or red wine uh, mixed with pasta sauce. I understand all that, and I understand a good glass of wine maybe with a with a pasta, but it's not me. Yeah, I think a lot of cases, people that, you know, do drink a lot, they're, it seems like they're often waking up, like, with a lot of regrets and not feeling well. It's safe, and I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I just think that people that drink a lot live kind of sad lives. Yeah, I think that 
chronic use of substances, especially alcohol, which is such a destructive, lower vibrational substance, in my opinion, um, in my humble opinion, that they're missing something and they're filling some kind of hole sort of inside of them. Habitual, you know. Right. And if somebody that's a habitual drinker, they, 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 they can't possibly be happy in doing it. I'm sure there has to be a reason why they're, they're sad or angry or something. Yeah, definitely something going on within the central nervous system and um, something that needs to be regulated. A lot of people are using alcohol to cope with something that they need to find a solution for. So if you needed to know something about me, I've been straight edge basically my whole life. <laughs> ah, straight edge. That's one of those things, like those sayings. That's like one of my favorites, you know. Like, and then when you see somebody and you just like know they're super straight edge, and that you can just describe them as straight edge, and it's like the perfect description for that person is so funny. Um. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm such a total square. Good, I know? promise. You said a total square. Oh yeah. You could set your watch to me. That that's how that's how predictable I probably am. What was that? I said you could set your watch to me. That's how predictable I am. Routine's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. Humans are like habitual creatures and I think that you know, well actually one of my favorite quotes is that we are slaves to our habits. Um, and I think that that is something that people need to hear at least once in their life. So they can kind of figure out, you know, what are my habits? Like, what am I a slave to? Yeah, nobody has to ever worry if I'm going to be drunk or if I just beat somebody up or if I if I'm in jail or if I've been stoned or doing something I shouldn't be doing. It's hard to run a business when you can't be predictable, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, like, you know, there are some people that they can drink and they can even drink pretty often. Um mm and still function that is kind of rare but they can still be high performers you know but i think in a lot of cases once it becomes chronic and it becomes to the point where it's like you know you're drunk more days out of the week than you are sober um usually it starts to affect your performance you know and it does things to your brain and it destroys your cells. So it's like a lot going on there with alcohol. You know what I always thought was funny, and I don't know if you know this musician because I'm much older than you, I believe. But there was a guy in the 1980s called Adam Ant. 
No, I haven't heard of it. Let's see. He had a song called Goody Two Shoes. Um, that was his biggest hit. He had some songs, though. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else you might know, but that was his biggest hit. And he even wrote a song about about himself being uh, a straight-edge person because he kicked out people in his band for excessive drinking, and the, the second he suspected that you were into drugs, he fired you. That's how serious he took it. He's like, you're not going to ruin my career because you you don't want to stop your drugs, so I'll just cut you now. I mean, you know, um, looking at artists like Whitney Houston and Amy Winehouse and what happened to them and just looking at what they used to look like and then once you could tell that they were on drugs, you know, like where it was like, whoa that moment where it's like, wow, and you get shown, like, another image of them, like, and it's not just them, like, oh, they might have a hangover there, just woke up and didn't have a lot of time to get ready and just kind of roll out of bed and were chased by paparazzi and harassed, you know, for a photo, but it's like, like, when the drugs finally start to hit the artist or whatever it is, that the, the, like, the alcohol and the drugs usually, and then the, you know, like, I mean, I guess, Oh, I guess Winnie Houston, she's kind of an abusive relationship, too, which may have contributed to her, like, chronic drug use, you know, like, but those people with a party lifestyle, and then when it hits them, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. It's, like, almost kind of like a zombie version. Yeah, I didn't think she was like that, but then she met Bobby Brown, and then she just turned out. Yeah. And I'm not saying he necessarily did that to her, but... It's just kind of something, strange. Yeah, how, something happened during that time. And her mother had, uh, her mother was a singer. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah, Thelma Houston, she had a big hit called Don't Leave Me This Way. That was a I'm huge gonna disco hit. I'm going to look that up as soon as the show ends. You said Thelma? Oh, Thelma Houston. Yeah, I'll find it for you. It's fine. Yeah, I saw something playing on Whitney Houston the other day, and that was very interesting. And then a little bit after that, I saw something going around about, you know, Amy Winehouse, and uh, just look at her, and it's like, wow. Like, just look at the before and after of these women, these celebrities, you know? Like, I mean... Elvis Presley, too. Like, wasn't that really what happened to him, too? Uh, More drugs, I guess, but yeah. So uh, back to the question, and we can get back into this, but I want you to actually think seriously. uh, Just one good guess about which person that's stupidly famous that just bought 1.7 million shares of Budweiser. Okay, I can't. Can I have a hint? Uh, how do I give you a hint when if I give you any hint, you'll know who it is? Um. So you said it is a celebrity. 
Uh, I somebody who's an insanely famous. I'll put it that way. They're not. They're they're not an actor or a musician or a, a politician for that matter. But the the only hint I can give you is that they are the one percent of the one percent. Is it Bill Gates? Answers in your instant message on Spybook. Wow, okay, it was him. That's weird. What is he going to do to the beer? I don't know. Are people going to now drink it because he owns it? That's really weird. What is he going to do to it? Uh, I don't know. You know, I had heard something uh, a couple times, actually, that, you know, a lot of the beer, I don't know if it's in other countries, but in the United States, has been genetically modified, so it is, like, I guess, contributing to even more estrogen, I guess. I just want to see if I posted this on my spy book wall yet. No, I did not. I thought I did. All right. I got to post this real quick. That, uh, that Don't Leave Me This Way was Thelma Houston's uh, biggest hit. I sent you the link on that, too. Yeah, I didn't know that her mother was an artist as well, so I'm very interested in checking that out. And I know that uh, not because of Thelma Houston was anything special. I, I don't care about the song one bit. But I remember when I was a kid, I used to really like the remake of it. And I'll send you the remake. I don't know if you know this or not about me, but I'm a uh, – have you heard of the Billboard music charts? Of the what? Billboard music charts. No, I, I don't like think that I have. Songs that became number one, things like that. Uh, they are the magazine that's in charge of which songs are doing the best this week and so on. So anyway, I became a music chart historian for the pop charts from the 70s through like maybe the 2000s. So when I was a kid, if I heard a song, because remember, I'll be 51 in two weeks, I never thought that I'd be able to hear that song ever again. 
So I would run out and hurry up and buy the cassette single of the song because if a song only got to number 53, then I'd be like, well, I'm never going to hear this again. I better hurry up and go buy it. Now you don't have to worry about that. Go ahead. Oh, you thought it was going to go away? Well, yeah, you didn't know that 20 years later there'd be YouTube and then you could just look for it. So anyway, this group, the Communards, the lead singer was from a different alternative group called Bronsky Beat. And I used to love this song. And uh, you're not familiar with Casey Kasem, I take it. No, I'm not. All right. So back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, there used to be what's called American Top 40, where Casey Kasem would count down the top 40 songs according to Billboard magazine. So I would study that because I'd root for my favorite songs. And then I'd buy the albums and all that. So uh, this song I'm showing you, it got to number 40 for two weeks, and then it left forever. And I really liked the remake of that song. So uh, when I found out that that was Whitney Houston's mother, I, I just found that to be weird. So... I know a ton about about music over the from the seventies, eighties, nineties, and and two thousands. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking this out. But yeah, that was my jam. So, what about you? What what do you do other than talk about truth? now that we're sharing stuff because sometimes people want to know who the co-hosts are. They, they might listen to us three hours a night, four nights a week. And once they listen long enough, they feel like they're our friends, even though they've never met us. Yeah. So I like to, uh, outside of work, I like to research neurohacking topics. Uh, I like reading, but I mostly like research. I like learning, like, random different things. Um, I like to talk to people and coach people with um, certain mental health symptoms that they're experiencing. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. really believe in disorders personally. I think that a lot of these things are patterns. And I think a lot of these people are being, um, and actually I, I, I kind of talk about this for a while, like um, a lot of people are actually kind of misdiagnosed when they go to speak to mental health professionals, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and they are being diagnosed based on other people's theories and they're just kind of bounce down this chart of, oh, you've had this symptom for this amount of time and this symptom for this amount of time, and it directs them down these arrows, and it's just somebody's theories. And you have people that are going to therapy for 15, 5, I mean, 
20 years. And I think that that is insane. And you have them bounced around on different medications and then you shouldn't talk to them. And it seems like the root issues are just not solved. They're not being solved in therapy. Um, There's actually some psychologists and a psychiatrist that I recently found um, that they have kind of denounced the field, like the regular mental health field, and they've started talking about how a lot of, quote, mental illnesses, you know, are learned their patterns, and they're not just learned patterns in your mind, but it's in your nervous system because we mostly are our brain and our nervous system. And mm. what I find talking to people is that a lot of times these negative narratives and negative scripts that they have inside of their head it was not even given to them it was given to them by a person um usually a parent figure um but they adopted this like negative script which leads to like this negative self kind of image that they have of themselves um and whether it and you know any type of illness it's kind of just letting like you know if you look at the word disease this ease i'm sure you've heard that before in our kind of crowd yeah um yeah this ease if you look at the word disease these issues are likely the body's like something like trauma stored in the body and it's showing up in the psyche and that's where you have anxiety depression and i was working kind of with people um, specifically with anxiety and depression. I didn't feel equipped to handle more, quote, complex issues Um, because they're all patterns. They really are all patterns, whether it's anxiety, quote, disorder, public speaking, quote, phobia. Once you replace the phobia and the disorder, and really see that these are patterns that are ingrained deeply in the nervous system and that your body has like a physiological response to what your brain kind of tells it, then people are able to stop going to therapy and um, really take ownership over their mental health and reclaim their lives pretty much. Like, I was focused on, at first, depression and anxiety, and then um, the clients that I have recently started working with are, quote, borderline personality, quote, disorder. Um, But even with, and I don't work with, everyone um just because i don't feel equipped to help with some things but i could refer them to another coach that does work with a very wide spectrum of quote disorders um such as schizophrenia probably cptsd regular ptsd um I don't know about narcissistic personality, quote, disorder, 
but even that is a pattern. And when you and I have started a little bit of research with the narcissistic personality disorder, it's very interesting because um, you have the covert and then you have the malignant, but um, not so much like of a program for that yet. Um, but all of these issues, it's a very common theme that it seems people have trauma from almost always their childhood, and then they've either attracted bad partners that have added to that trauma, um, or that childhood trauma has just stuck with them. And I mean, it could be like a lot of things that add to the trauma, but it stores in the body, and then it basically manifests in the human psych and it's very interesting um it's definitely really great when you realize like when the client realizes that wow like I have a script in my head and it really wasn't even me and I thought I was bad because when anybody gets labeled as something as uh, an alcoholic or like a sociopath or whatever you want to label them I do kind of see the sociological theory of the labeling theory to make sense there. Um, people start to believe that. And then they also, when they first realize something's wrong with them, like maybe they have anxiety. And I have heard this from clients before that they, they instantly go, you know, like, in their brain, whether it's to themselves or out loud, to someone like, why am I like this? Am I always going to be like this? And how, like, am I going to get better, you know? And they just go through these things in their heads, you know, and it's good when they realize that a lot of times those scripts that they have, like the inner critic, it didn't even come from them. And then they realize, oh, wow, like this was kind of given to me by someone else. And then we work on, you know, releasing that and making new patterns and rewiring, like, the thought process. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know you're into that kind of stuff. Yes, I'm very fascinated by neurohacking. Um, Dr. Andrew Huberman, the Huberman Lab podcast, I am very interested in his research he also talks about the eyes he talks about a lot of different things but he talks about neuroscience and his background is very interesting too his lectures are very long or like about two hours um, but he talks about a different way of looking at biology like with neurobiology um, and he talks about the eyes and he says that our eyes are basic. We have our brain, but our eyes are basically like almost like two brains, the way that they operate. And I just thought that was really cool, really cool random fact that our eyes are like two extra brains. He talks a lot about the autonomic nervous system. There's a, We have our nervous system, and we're mostly just our brain and our nervous system, but our nervous system, the human nervous system, is composed of five um, parts, and then the eyes would be the peripheral nervous system. Um, 
So whenever we see something out of our, per- our peripherals, like it is our peripheral nervous system that alerts us to that, and we can respond accordingly. He's done some pretty cool research with, uh, I think, uh, Navy SEAL, what is his name? I can think of his name any other time. Oh, I wish I could help you. I don't know exactly. I'm looking it up right now. Um, I think it, was it David Goggins? Is that it? Does that sound familiar? I yeah, can't help you. I don't know. Yeah, it is David Goggins. This is Navy still. He did uh, some kind of experiments with David Goggins. I'm not sure what exactly. I can't recall what kind of experiments that they did. But I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, like on fear. But David Goggins, yeah, he wrote a book, author of Can't Hurt Me. And hmm. he was a Navy still. So that was an interesting thing. So let me ask you, what what can Bill Gates do? And I asked this on my spy book. I'm waiting for the answer. But what can Bill Gates do to get you to buy Budweiser? Uh, nothing. I definitely won't be buying Budweiser, Bud Light. I just think they're going to hold on to the brand, uh, and then when we go woke enough, that uh, even if it goes, it's not going to go much lower than it is now. People who have not given up Bud Light are not going to give up Bud Light. So now that the brand is cratered, it's just going to sit dormant for a little while, and then when nobody has money again, and there's less beer brands, then uh, they'll they'll have a little bit of <coughs> trickles going up, and then I guess maybe he thinks that at some point people will forget the wokeness, and uh, I think they'll just hide for a while, and then just try to come back. Uh, I don't know with what, but maybe the consensus is if everybody's woke, then they won't get singled out. I think that's the goal. But if I've never drank a beer before, why am I going to buy it just because Bill Gates owns it? Yeah, I don't know. Did they think that that was going to be, like, appealing, or was this just, like, something that he did so he could do something weird to the beer because he wants our oh, men that's possible to be he bought 1.7 million shares, so he didn't buy the company. He just bought the shares, just to be clear. Yeah, Budweiser did not become Gateswiser. He just bought the shares. Yeah. Does that mean, I mean, does that imply some sort of ownership? Or was that just a way of, like, trying to promote the product? Like, what was the motive there? I think, personally, that 
he saw Bud, Budweiser at its lowest point, and I guess he figures that at some point everybody's going to be woke enough, and uh, eventually that money will pan out. I don't think that you buy that uh, that many shares and not expect to get your money back. Yeah, Bill Gates is going to put that much money towards something. Uh, remember, he just put out the the GMO mosquitoes, so he, I'm sure he has an idea of of what's uh what they can do. Speaking of which, we strangely have a lot of mosquitoes out here. Is that not a very common thing this time of year? No. Not at all. Hmm. You know, there was a thing where um, Bill Gates, uh, I cannot remember who all was involved, but they released, I believe, 750,000 GMO mosquitoes in Texas and Florida. You heard about that, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're tracking on that. And, yeah, Nikki Freed had a lot to do with that. And, you know, somebody had asked her questions about, I think it was about this or about something, but she, you know, she sent the agricultural police, which is, I didn't know that that was a thing until I saw someone, um, you know, talking about how she sent the agricultural police to Mm -hmm. their house for asking a question, basically, about, like, basically there's them demanding answers from her about, this, I'm pretty sure, the GMO mosquitoes, you know, um, was that done with taxpayer money? That's what I'd like to know. Who all is funding this? Obviously, we know some people weird are supporting it. That's just if you and I decided on a scheme to put genetically modified mosquitoes out there, we would get arrested for that and perhaps tried for treason or something. And uh, because Bill Gates is putting the money in, it's perfectly okay. It's weird how it works like that. If you're a 1%, yeah. you have the ability to, to euthanize people if you want. I'm not sure who decided that, but that's how it works. So one of my friends uh, during but the time when they were talking about releasing them before they released them, but they were like letting people know for some reason that they were releasing them. It's like, they tell us what they're going to do to us and people just don't pay attention or they just don't care. Or they think that it would affect them. Um, I don't really know, but you know, one of my friends was looking it up and they, I don't remember what they were claiming it was for, but they were claiming that they were doing us a favor pretty much, you know, um, that they were, releasing some type of GMO mosquitoes that was going to result in a decrease 
like in the amount of mosquitoes, I guess, that we have. Yeah. So we have time to play. Uh, I wanted to play a Russell Brand clip, at least one of them, and I, I don't want to. I'm going to save the shoe spiracy for later. Uh, we're going to play the one that Russell Brand says Trump changed everything. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. It's like 15 minutes, and then we'll have time to wrap up. All right. Trump's mugshot has become the best piece of political propaganda since the Obama change poster. So everyone's happy about that, except Rachel Maddow. But can we trust the mainstream media on Trump? Hello there, you 6.5 million awakening wonders. Thanks for joining us on our voyage through truth and freedom where we smash the old models and create new systems all based on individual awakening. And that is what we want to offer you here at Stay Free Media. And if you happen to be in the UK, guess what? In the month of September, I'm doing five intimate shows where I talk about awakening, where I talk about bringing up kids and bringing down the government, where I talk about the challenges we face. Little, small gigs, unusual, fantastic. There's a link in the description. Click them if you want to come. There's one in London in like a couple of days. You want I love it. I'll see you there. Now, let's work out this mugshot thing. We knew, those of us that understand semiotics and media, that Trump's mugshot would become a phenomenon. Yet they went ahead and gave us one. Trump looks less orange than ever. His hair is less crazy than it's ever been before. It's a magnificent mugshot. And the mainstream media are furious about it, even though they recognize that the more he's persecuted, the more popular he becomes as an anti-establishment figure. They continue to condemn him, with Rachel Maddow saying that if Trump wins in 2024, he will turn America into a dictatorship for life. Now, I'm not sure that that's actually true. I don't know what evidence that's based on. I don't think the only reason that Trump was removed from office last time was because Biden was so mighty and the system is so fantastic. And why do the mainstream hate Trump so much? Is it because he's alleged to be a sexist and in some ways morally off-key? Or is it for more profound geopolitical strategic reasons? Let's get into it. The election means one of two things if this is the way he's going to approach it. Either he loses the election and he goes to prison. Or he wins the election, he doesn't go to prison, and is that for life, that he gets to be president? Will we keep having more elections or no? If every election is a new opportunity for him to go to prison, do you think he allows us to have new elections? That's scaremongering, I think, because say Trump did win and Trump didn't want to go to prison and he went, I'm going to be president forever. We're not going to have elections. I feel like even the most ardent Trump supporters would say, no, no, we're not down with that. And also, let's back up a bit. What's going on with Biden's administration? Is America improving in the ways that were claimed? Did he deliver on the big pharma deal or was it watered down to the point where it's weaker than some of the medications <laughs> we're often invited to take? Now, let's look at this seriously. What's the real bloody difference? difference here between the Democrat Party and the Republican Party, the way that they're funded, the way that they execute when in office. I know some of you have pretty strong party political ties, but my belief is this. What's needed is radical systemic change. Radical systemic change. Even the Georgia case alone is a state, not a federal case. So Trump wouldn't be able to pardon himself from that. Why is that not being mentioned in this report? Well, the answer could be because it's a hysterical report that's propagandizing a population, playing to an audience of people who love Rachel Maddow and can't 
can't remember all the vaccine stuff for some reason and absolutely hate Donald Trump. This is precisely the problem we have. My perspective is we have to overcome these kind of political affiliations and accept that we're at a point where different political models have to be considered. I mean, if those are the stakes, if winning the election is his plan to stay out of prison, what happens in that election if and when he does not win it? Does that kind of an election end with a graceful concession to a fair and square re-elected President Biden? Russiagate, 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 Russiagate. The function of this piece of news is to ensure that you vote Democrat, to ensure that the Democrat base is mobilized into voting. I don't think the Democrats or the Republicans are going to provide the kind of solutions that you require, and I don't think you do either. I think whatever side you're on, your argument will basically be, yeah, but they're better than the other party, and these small differences are all we're being offered. And I say that's the biggest problem of all. Being willing to kill one another over these small differences is what prevents the real change that's required from ever happening. I mean, if Trump and his supporters see the stakes as losing and going to prison or winning and being president and probably president for life. You can't say probably, not probably. It's not like almost definitely like you know. I would like to see more introspection, more reflection, more openness. I'd like to see, look, I know why you love Donald Trump. I know you're angry. I know you feel there are metropolitan elites that called you a basket of deplorable that don't like you. I know you're getting poorer and poorer, the fentanyl crisis. I know that people don't listen to your concerns. I know you've been discouraged, discredited, disgraced, that you feel that your flag has been dishonored, that your principles have been forgotten. But I'm telling you, we're going to do better. Like, they can't say any of that because Biden's in office and he's doing nothing of note or value or worth and all of the promises he made while campaigning have evaporated into nothing. So they can't offer you that. So all they can offer you is hate, 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 hate. All both sides are offering you is hate. You cannot generate anything from hate. You can't. All you can do is ossify and Pose. That's all that it will ever offer you. No one's got a vision. How should we expect that he and the Republican Party and Republican officials in swing states are going to handle the conduct of that election that Trump may very well lose? And because we are prone to forget. Yes, I think we forgot the efficacy of vaccines, didn't we? We have to say out loud, I mean, that we would be remiss. We would be willfully naive to ask that question as if our politics exists in a vacuum somewhere outside the rest of our news. As if the politics pages are totally different than the crime pages, right? As if we are not in a moment where far-right politics is coincident with far-right violence, with regular shows of force from paramilitary extreme-right groups and with acts of violence by people who are explicitly and admittedly motivated by far-right eliminationist political ideas. You know, like when you do exchange trips when you're a kid and you have to go and go to another school or whatever, I think the mainstream media should have to go and work at the other place for like a month instead of being sent to France to live with a French family or whatever. Rachel Maddow should go on Fox. Fox people should go on MSNBC and should experience the world from that perspective. I'm aware that this content gets watched by people who like this content. Our hope is that we can create new conversations where people from across the political spectrum can see that they have more in common with one another than the establishment interests that purport to represent them on both sides. That is our aim. Our aim is about new models, new freedom, and how your personal awakening can change the world. We don't want to say, oh, it's the others. I don't even want you to not like Rachel Maddow. I don't think you can generate anything. I know that in the comments below you'll go, oh, I don't like Rachel Maddow or whatever. That's not the message. Rachel Maddow's a human being. She's got her own set of interests. We can't keep doubling down on this stuff. We really have to move beyond it. What I'm critiquing here is the hysteria around Trump and saying that, that you know, her saying that Trump will stay in office for life. There's no precedent for that. There's 
there's no reason to say that and there's nothing about the Biden administration that makes anyone believe that things are any better. They're not any better. What about the war alone? The war alone. No alternatives, no solution, no talk of peace. Why are we not discussing that? If you want people to behave rationally, as you claim, then have a rational conversation. Don't double down on the hysteria and propaganda saying Trump's going to make himself president for life. That appeals, that kind of rhetoric appeals to the people that already love Trump that see him as an anti-establishment icon. People should acknowledge what it is that people like about Trump, he's good humour, the fact that he's willing to attack and criticise the establishment, the fact that he's anti-war, that he reaches ordinary Americans, and perhaps we can get somewhere on that basis. Making hysterical propagandist claims on either side just creates more and more division, it's not going to lead us anywhere, and it is going to mean that the mugshot becomes a political icon, it galvanises people into supporting Trump. Let's have a look at how effective this mugshot has become, and perhaps why this is happening. The Trump mugshot's like the new Che Guevara t-shirt. The mugshot for the ages. Hot off the t-shirt press, stores are seizing on Trump's moment too. I think it's funny, the second I saw that mugshot came out, I knew that the, the t-shirt presses were going to be going crazy. I don't support that man at all, but I, I would wear it as a joke to an event. <laughs> That's funny. I would wear it as a joke to an event, it's a good t-shirt. People don't understand iconography. People don't understand the new information age. People don't understand that centralized media, corporate media is dying. Its model is dying. And it's trying to prevent its own death by doing what it's always done more aggressively rather than saying we need more discreet, rational, discursive, open, reflective models where we don't haughtily talk down to a population but where we invite them into the conversation. Let me know in the comments if you agree. Meta. I can't continue to make this fantastic content without support from ExpressVPN, who can radically improve your Netflix experience. In fact, using Netflix without ExpressVPN would be like buying tickets for Lollapalooza and only getting to see the opening act. That's because the content available on Netflix depends on your location. Without a VPN, you'll miss out on thousands of shows if you only access the Netflix library available in the country you live in. But ExpressVPN unblocks all that juicy hidden content by letting you change your online location. You know I live for South Korean movies, so ExpressVPN has been a complete game changer. I just open the app, select a different country, and tap one button to connect. As soon as I refresh the page, my film was there. Now I can watch my South Korean movie. And with ExpressVPN, not only can you stream in HD with zero buffering, but it's compatible with all your devices, including laptops, phones, tablets, and smart TVs. So be smart and stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting a fraction of the content. Get your money's worth by going to expressvpn.com slash brand. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash brand. And get an extra three months free. Now, let's go back to the content. Trump down in Georgia turning that mugshot into a record-breaking fundraising hall. According to Politico, Trump's campaign claims to have had its best day of fundraising yet, pulling nearly $4.2 million on Friday night alone, making it the single highest 24-hour period of his campaign to date. I love when he said, one more indictment, I'll have this election sewn up. He talks the language of modern politics. Perhaps it wasn't just a coincidence, the fact that he was the Twitter president. We thought that Obama represented a true progression because he was from a new, diverse race, because he had a sort of a charisma and conviviality. But it appears that actually Obama was a very traditional president president in the sense that he represented establishment interests, particularly financial interests in 2008. He continued with drone wars. And Trump, in spite of being an older man and indeed a white man or orange man, depending on your perspective, has understood the media age in a way that no other politicians, certainly in the American landscape, do. This is a new time 
new models of communication, and I would suggest new political models are going to emerge from it, whether they are authoritarian, centralised models, a bit like actually Rachel Maddow is suggesting, but I would say there's more danger of authoritarianism, curiously and paradoxically, from the liberal left than there are from the right. Much of that fundraising comes from merchandise, t-shirts, posters, bumper stickers, coolers, ranging from 12 to $40 on that website. You see some of it there. Literal advert for that. It's like when MSNBC does Pfizer interviews. Also has been peppering online donors with emails and text messages. We kind of expected this, Jonathan Lemire, that Donald Trump was going to make a virtue and, yes, a T-shirt of his mugshot, had it pushed out almost immediately in a fundraising email. I can't believe that's how I told you this would happen, you idiots. That expression is MSNBC's entire attitude to normal people, new media, the changing world. We've tried to tell you about this. Why don't you go into your homes and put on your mask and do what we tell you? We are, after all, liberals. Yes, it's exciting, and yes, it raises is a bunch of money for your base supporters who do view you as a martyr and a victim who's being prosecuted by Joe Biden. That's not the way this works, of course, but that's the tale he's telling them. Because they don't offer you news. They offer you attitude. That's the problem now. They can't go, well, obviously this isn't bloody working. People like Trump's anti-establishment stance and the establishment attacking him obviously validates his perspective and claims that the establishment are against him because he's against their interests. And they're not trying to get him, they're trying to get you. And if they're against Donald Trump, plainly they are, they should just try to stick to the facts about this and move away from the emotions because they've lost the emotional war because they don't actually care about ordinary people. They can't win that war. The question is, does it help him beyond that? He does have to win if he gets through this primary a general election does a mugshot do all these cases against him as he believes help him yeah there was speculation when he was first indicted in new york back in april they could have just done the face thank you there it is guys here's what you should think Okay, now the weather. They didn't waste any time, and we should know that's a lot of money. You're right. Uh, you can get it on coffee mugs or T-shirts. I even saw some footage over the weekend about people getting it as tattoos. Yeah, that's really stupid to get stuff as a tattoo, and it's a political issue. Oh, I don't think Trump makes any money off of that. It seems like it would be deeply <laughs> painful. So why are the mainstream media working so hard to continually disparage, discredit, and even indict Donald Trump? This is from the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. presidential election is more than a year away, but allies and adversaries around the world have already begun to contemplate and even plan for the return of Donald Trump to the White House. For many foreign capitals, the possibility of a second Trump administration is a source of anxiety. Allies from Paris to Tokyo regard Trump as an erratic leader with little interest in cultivating long-term ties to counter Russian and Chinese expansionism. Unwillingness to counter Russian and Chinese expansionism could be a sensible policy unless you believe that Russian and Chinese expansionism ultimately includes nations like America and European nations rather than being localized and regional issues. Not saying that I don't care about the people of Taiwan. I'm saying I just don't care that much about semiconductors that I want Americans to start dying for them and to ignore the potential of a peaceful solution to the Ukraine-Russia conflict, which Donald Trump advocates for just because it's good for BlackRock and the military-industrial complex. Policymakers and politicians were reluctant to make public statements that might rile the current administration or an incoming one. The officials interviewed by the Wall Street Journal did share their thoughts about what a Trump return to the world stage would mean for geopolitics. Among the most widespread fears is that Trump would spark a global trade war. Well, for a global trade war than a global war.
The candidate has threatened to impose fresh tariffs on all goods imported into the US, hitting friend and foe alike, a move that risks sowing divisions in transatlantic relations in a time of war. Yeah, I think the war's the issue. Trump has also threatened to withdraw the US from the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, a move that his former national security advisor, John Bolton, recently described as a near certainty if he is elected again. Why can't we discuss those ideas? Some governments are moving to lock in military assistance to Ukraine to strengthen security there in case a newly elected Trump scales back US support. Members of the Group of Seven Wealthy Nations are trying to reach bilateral agreements with Kiev to provide weapons that meet NATO standards. Even the Group of Seven Wealthy Nations seems ridiculous with escalating fuel bills, increasing poverty, the decimation of ordinary public spaces, the poverty and despair on the streets of most developed nations. Where's all this wealth going, I wonder? And Washington has sent billions of dollars in arms and humanitarian aid to Ukraine. There's a strong possibility Trump might be re-elected, said Benjamin Haddad, a French lawmaker from President Emmanuel Macron's party. It forces us Europeans to read the writing on the wall and take more responsibility. Part of the reason, at least, that Trump is unpopular is because of his anti-globalist position, or at least that he isn't a fully imbibed and controlled globalist asset. That Trump policies might not lead to more war, but might lead to less war. And that is part of the problem. French officials have been warning European allies that the possibility of Trump's return requires the continent to significantly expand arms production from artillery to missile defense systems so it can supply Ukraine on its own. How do you feel about that? Oh no, America won't be supplying arms to Ukraine anymore. Do you want that? I actually, you know, how could I possibly know what is the best geopolitical policy for the Ukraine-Russia conflict? But it would be good, wouldn't it, to have unbiased, clear, open conversations about that and maybe even vote on what the preferred outcome would be. The idea that Trump's ascendancy is a problem because he would end war is being presented to you as a bad thing seems to me all kind of topsy-turvy and upside down. Eastern European countries and France are also pushing allies to admit Ukraine into NATO. Oh, that's a really good idea. I've not heard anywhere that that could create problems. We've been lucky with Ukraine to have an American administration that helped us, Macron recently told Le Pont magazine. Can we let Ukraine lose and Russia win? The answer is no. We have to hold out over time. I suppose what that article indicates is there is indeed a globalist, corporatist agenda. The organisations like NATO do supersede national interests. But a figure like Trump, with his nationalism, with his inward-looking gaze, whether you like Trump or not, is an opposition to that corporatist globalist agenda. I consider those figures like Macron and Trudeau to not be the forebearers of a new liberal democracy, but actually globalist corporatists who don't very much care about the ordinary people of their nation, but instead care about advancing elite interests under the auspices of liberalism. I believe that more decentralization, more localization, more democracy, more political freedom at the level of the community and the individual is the answer, not more centralization and a globalist agenda that cannot be opposed, particularly when it includes a potentially apocalyptic war. So, Trump's rise and the missteps taken by the mainstream media appear to relate strongly to a corporatist globalist agenda, and that's hardly surprising. Trump is an America first guy. For all of the condemnation of criticism of Trump that you can read and see elsewhere in sufficient quantities to not require me to give it to you again, is a figure that appears to be at odds with the advances of a globalist corporatist agenda, and you have to ask yourself this, are they anti-Trump because of all the reasons they say 
Trump is a savage and he's against your freedom and he's a dictator? Or are they against Trump because they tacitly and quietly and silently, in fact, support exactly this agenda, which I don't believe will advance or enhance your life one bit. But that's just what I think. Why don't you let me know what you think in the comments below? If you like this video, have a look at either of these. Remember, turn on the notification bell and subscribe right now. And if you're in the UK, come to one of the handful of intimate gigs that I'm doing this September, where we'll talk about these issues in person together. In the meantime, if you can, please stay free. All right, I thought you might appreciate that. Um, we have enough time if you want to go over anything else or if you want to discuss that video we just watched or listened to. Where was that on? That was Russell Brand on YouTube. It was from his, from his, or oh, yes. on YouTube. No, I, if I play something, it's from the last day or two at least, sometimes today. Oh, you you said it's on. You said it was from YouTube. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What? That was in Washington State that you were talking about that teacher. No, the the that one that I played earlier was from Colorado, but there there's oh, others that... there. But Washington State has a law where if the school recommends you transition the kid or the kid uh, says that they their, their mom or dad won't let them transition then even if the parents are not questioned if uh, if the kid says I don't think my mommy or daddy will let me transition then they they take the kid away for they they say child safety So that that's the new rule. In in Colorado. Washington. Washington State. All right. And, that and, is in crazy. other states they're just doing stuff and they're telling the the teachers don't put it on anything digital, make sure it's always written because we don't want the records to come up and get you guys in trouble. <laughs> Anyone that has to do things in secret, you uh, 10 out of 10 times, they're not doing the right thing. Yeah. So we just got the 90-second buzzer. So uh, is there anything else you want to go over tonight? Nothing that I can think of. I'm going to tuck in with some more speakers, and uh, hopefully we can get somebody soon to talk to us about some property rights councils or some of these policies that are being implemented in our cities without our consent. Okay. Well, thank you for being here, and we'll we'll talk again next week. It's always nice to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always a great time. All right, everybody, we'll be back again next week. So please support, or we'll be back tomorrow. Please support the other shows on the network. 
It is not just the proof negative show here, but until tomorrow, hold on to the handrail, keep hope alive. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. I am proof negative. I am proof. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.